Welcome to Alone at the Table. In this podcast, I play solo tabletop games, and I invite you along for the experience. My name is Audrey. Today's game is Wreck This Deck by Becky Anison. If you're just tuning into the podcast now, I do encourage you to go back in the feed and find part one of this game. I'm not sure how many parts I will do. I will continue playing this game even if I don't record it because I'm having a lot of fun with it. But this is part two, releasing mid-June while the campaign on Backerkit is still ongoing for Wreck This Deck. It's already funded, but there is always room for more people to support this awesome game getting a zine version. A very brief recap. Again, I encourage you to go listen to part one if you haven't yet. I am playing a deck runner named Vi, who traps demons in a deck of cards and uses the cards for rituals, fortune telling, etc. Her current goal is to help a project called the Library Salvage Project that is basically a library collection that has been defunded and is full of banned books and other things that people are trying to quash, and she's trying to help the project find a new home and thrive. After I decided to abandon my last demon summoning, I thought it best if I conducted a ritual to try and seek out a building for the library salvage project after the last spot that we had became unavailable. For this ritual, I selected the Ten of Clubs because it usually represents a stronghold, and that's what I'm looking for here. More than anything else is a place where the project can thrive and be safe from those who would see its end. I also pulled out Nibirius because he is the only demon I currently have trapped, and I know that I need at least one if I want a ritual to succeed. From there, I drew two cards from my deck. Thankfully, both were red cards, the Ten of Hearts and the Five of Hearts. So I was able to channel my energy into my focus, which I'm using my very old copy of the Aeneid because it only seemed fitting to use a piece of classic literature that has been somewhat controversial for this ritual. I was able to extend my senses through the city, and I found an apartment building whose penthouse has been under perpetual renovation. I won't say abandoned because it does seem like some people still live there, but for now, it's going to work just fine for us, and I think we might even get help from the residents of the building. I'm scared. I did a fortune reading once the library salvage project had been moved into the penthouse. I needed to know if we were in danger of what might happen next or what we should be prepared for. With no job to have to go to right now, thanks to Nibirius, I've been able to dedicate all my time to this project, but the reading wasn't good. For the current situation, I drew the Ten of Hearts this generally means a safe person. My mind immediately goes to Mona. She's been in charge of this whole effort. She's really stepped up and helped everyone move and, and stay safe and keep the collection safe while we were moving. Then the next card, what is on the surface, was the Three of Hearts, which is betrayal. 
And for the third card, it gets even worse. What is hidden is a two of clubs, death or an ending. I don't think I can believe this. It, it seems impossible that Mona would betray us somehow. I don't, I don't care what the cards say. I'm, I can't listen to this reading. Hey! I think I might have made a mistake. I was interrupted during my fortune reading by an anarcho-punk, I guess. Who knows what they would consider themselves. Red, she called herself. I didn't really have any choice except to explain deck running, and I'm sure she went home to start right away. Between that and the warning I got in, in the fortune telling, I think that I might need to bind another demon. I, I don't know that there is anything else I can do in this situ situation, and I, I need guidance. So I'm going to use the deck. I've done it. I've trapped the vestigial heart. She's a second order demon, and she inexorably ties you to the target of your choosing. In this instance, Red. I know that might sound foolish when I don't know her intentions toward me, but the nature of being tethered is that I can discern them at least somewhat. I don't know how it will impact Red to be tethered this way. But for me, at least, I get flashes of feeling, and I will know, I think, if any of that feeling is specifically directed toward me. So if her intent is ill, I'll be aware. In order to trap the vestigial heart, I had to punch a hole in each heart on the card and then fill it with a different material. We've run into another problem with the library salvage project. Someone is trying to get us to turn over the books for a private pay-to-enter library. He claims to have bought the collection, but we know that's a lie. Unfortunately, he's got a lot of political clout, so there isn't much recourse. We've got petitions out, we've got protesters out, and we fully have no intention of handing over the books, but it still seems that we may need to do more. I'm going to do a fortune-telling spread. I'm, I'm not sure I want to hex someone, but I guess it seems like it might be necessary this time. Maybe there's another demon that can help me instead. I think I'll do a spread to help me choose between two choices. I've designated the left column the choice to hex. I've designated the right column the choice to summon another demon to help. In the top left, I have the three of clubs, which usually represents a flood of some kind. We'll have to see how that plays with the other cards before I can interpret it. In the right column, I have the king of hearts, Nibirius. I need to try and discern what he's telling me beyond just the usual meaning of the card. Usually the card represents a male person who is important to you. In this instance, it's crossed with the two of hearts. The two of hearts is an ally. 
I'm wondering if this means that maybe the male figure Nibirius is pointing me towards someone I already know and trust or care about could be a potential ally to the demon I'm already trying to summon. Maybe that would make the ritual easier. But I need to keep in mind that Nibirius is a master of deception. That's why I summoned him in the first place, and I have only pinned one of his eyes. I wonder if I could pin another to try and make him more truthful. Meanwhile, in the left-hand column, I have the five of spades crossing the three of clubs, which again, the three of clubs means flooding. The five of spades usually means that which is hidden. I'm wondering if hexing this guy, if I couldn't formulate it to somehow chase out whatever hidden power is pushing him to do this, or maybe flush out others with similar ill intentions. I don't know, it still seems risky. My final card is the Two of Clubs. The Two of Clubs means death or an ending. This is the piece of the outcome that is going to happen regardless of which option I choose, which seems bad overall, but I suppose it depends on whose ending it is. I think, I think, I, I can't bring myself to hex this guy, not, not even if he's threatening the project right now. I think I have to trust Nibirius for good or for ill. I don't have a lot of male figures in my life that are important to me, so this is almost guaranteed to mean Scotty. He plays on the trivia team with Sadie and I, and if he's a deck runner, it's news to me. I think if there's any way that I can summon this demon I'm going to have to do it. I spoke to Scotty and tried to discern if he's a deck runner who might know of a demon I could summon. It was difficult to tell. Sometimes I, I think that people only tell me what they think I want to hear. Maybe it's the double-edged sword of Nibirius's gift. In either case, I'm not a hundred percent certain that he was trying to communicate with me a secret message. We were at the trivia bar and it was hard to find privacy, so maybe he didn't want to be overheard. I think that he's suggesting that he might know Flauros. Flauros is a Duke of Hell and you trap him in the Three of Diamonds. He is, well, he's a good demon for vengeance. He can Destroy your enemies, they say, by burning them. Which is a little violent and the opposite of flooding, but I have to do what I have to do. So I've placed the three of hearts, the three of clubs, and the three of spades so that they form a triangle absence in the center, their corners touching. I'm placing the three of diamonds on top of it. And now, I wait for Flauros to enter. Now that he's in the card, I have to make haste. I'm cutting it into a triangle shape and burning the edges to keep him trapped. It's, it's all going wrong. I, the, 
The ritual to trap Flauros was successful, I think. It seems to be, and the politician, he's, well, he's, he's gone. The news is vague about what happened to him. I, I guess, I guess that it worked, but... It's... Something else came through when I summoned Flauros, and Scotty is, Scotty is something else now. When I went to meet him at the boba shop, I, he, his, his eyes, there. I asked how he was. I, I didn't care that we were in the open. I, I said Flowers' name and he just laughed. He said, he said that I had opened the way for him and that Scotty was gone and had traded places with him. And I can't keep Nibirius in my deck. I can't trust him unless I pin the rest of his eyes. I have to try. I have to try again. I am going to try and trap Nibirius truly and fully and get answers from him for once and for all. And if not, I will strike him from my deck. I will expel him. This time... I waste no caution. I am using a ritual to bind Nibirius this time. All three of his heads. I have my black candle, my sigil of protection, my tiger's eye, my snail shell, and my geode placed around Nibirius's card. I have Flauros's card because he is the hammer I will wield against Nibirius. And I have the Queen of Diamonds for power. I will bend him to my will. The ritual succeeded. Nibirius is bound and his eyes blind. His lies will have to be absolutely ironclad if I am to believe them now. He will give me truth when next I use him. Damn it. Damn it. Damn it. With all the trouble with Scotty and Nibirius and what the fuck I'm going to tell Sadie about Scotty, I forgot that I had an egg about to hatch and now there's a demon in my living room that I need to trap in a card. It could be worse, I guess. It looks like... It looks like it's Forlu, who's a luck demon... So it very, very much could be worse. I, okay, I don't have much time. I have to make a bet, a, a ridiculous bet. Okay, I'm, I'll get online and I will make a bet on a horse that's probably going to lose today at the races. There's horse races today, right? Oh, I've never done this before. I am about to lose so much money. Oh, thank the deck. It worked. Forlu is trapped. The card is painted gold. There's not another demon on the loose, so now I only have one that I have to figure out. I just... If I... If I can get Scotty back, that's all I want to know. 
I have to be able to speak to this demon before I get rid of it, so I need to know who it is. Ugh, shit. What is it? Ugh, what is that? Oh. Oh. The vestigial heart. It's the tether. From red? That doesn't feel like any sort of anger or hatred or anything. There's a little bit of fear, maybe? But mostly I think what I'm hearing is she is curious about me. I think I'm going to have to meet with her, but I, I have to rest first. Rest first, meet with her, save Scotty. Right. I can do this. That is where I'm concluding my playthrough this week for Wreck This Deck. I had such a blast playing this game. It only gets more fun as you go along, and you're able to do more things to the cards and trap more demons and continue to see how things go south. I like the tone of this game a lot. I'm sure that you could play it tonally on a sliding scale, kind of, of hope to disaster. I like stuff to feel like it's an against all odds situation where you're trying and clawing to get to the ending that you want. So this is really tonally just fascinating. Once again, I used some demons that were in the zine, but I made up the vestigial heart. I also made up the ritual to quote unquote punish Nibirius a little bit. Mostly because there wasn't explicit instruction on what to do if you only managed to pin one of his heads in the initial trapping, which is kind of a your choice thing. I decided to just do what felt right. And this game really encourages that of you. The same as choosing like focuses for your rituals and your spells and things like that. Doing a ritual is similar to summoning a demon, but what you're doing is you're picking a card that is relevant to what you're trying to achieve. So you can consult the chart that's in the zine, and then you're choosing a demon from your deck to kind of be the catalyst for it. And then you draw a card for each card that you have in the ritual. The more demons you have in the ritual, the more unstable it's going to be. As long as you draw at least one red card, the ritual succeeds. If you draw two black cards, it either doesn't succeed or something goes horribly wrong or you succeed, but there's like a huge complication for you, usually related to your demon. I brought in complications a little bit with the whole, I think people are just telling me what I want to hear. I think I'm hearing things that aren't actually being said because that's Nibirius's whole thing since he's like the Prince of Lies. I didn't get to hexing this time. It didn't feel in character for Vi. Hexes are the same as rituals, except that you have to destroy a card in order to power the hex. So you'll always get the outcome you desire, but you destroy a card permanently, which means that's no longer going to show up in your fortune telling. It's no longer going to be available for trapping demons, for rituals, etc. So it's important to familiarize yourself with the card meanings before you choose to do a hex. It didn't feel in character for Vi to do a hex. I'm not saying it's never going to happen. I'm also not sure how many other parts I will document of my playthrough. This is a very visual and a very hands-on game, which is something that I love about it. The tactile interaction, it's 
uh, a keepsake game kind of, except for that instead of, or in addition to creating something, you're doing so by destroying something else, which has been very fun. And I will keep posting pictures. It's a little bit hard to document in an audio medium. So I hope that this has been fun to listen to, and I hope that you have been enjoying it. I will put out at least one more part because I want to resolve kind of the storyline I've set up here with Scotty. Big shout out to my friend Rose, whose deck runner is red. We had a lot of fun talking about our deck runners together. That's it for today. You can find this game at the link in the description. It's Wreck This Deck by Becky Anison, and it's funding on Backerkit right now. You'll be able to find the game in the future at blackarmada.com. As always, you can find me online at Lady Tabletop on Tumblr and itch.io, as well as coffee. Feel free to check out my games or throw me a little bit of support if you enjoy the show. And don't forget to rate and review if you're enjoying this show. It helps other people find the show, and I truly appreciate every piece of feedback that I have gotten so far. So thank you to my listeners. This show is part of the Moonshot Podcast Network, which is a group of cool creators streaming and podcasting and doing lots of fun stuff. You can check out other shows on the network at moonshotpods.com. If you have any comments, questions, suggestions, or you want to see your game featured on the show, please send me an email at aloneatthetablepod at gmail.com. I had so much fun today. Thanks for coming along for the experience. Nicole was your typical hopeless romantic, moonlighting as a fanfiction writer. Claudia was a hard-headed activist with a YouTube channel and the mysterious past. When Nicole hit a deep funk in her writing, Claudia suggests one of her hidden passions, romance novels. Now the two have fallen into a world of endless handsome hunks, doe-eyed damsels, and lascivious lovers. It is now their sacred duty to rank these novels on three criteria. Their steaminess. I had to fan myself off. Their dreaminess. She's not missing anything without him, but he makes her life better. And their meaniness. Cal wouldn't be in some small town pie eating contest. That's not why he left me. <laughs> Join our heroines every other week as they overcome unhealthy relationship archetypes, thesaurus abusing authors, and anatomical inaccuracies to prove that love can conquer all on the Three Little Words Podcast, only on the Moonshot Network.